Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. It's uh, time for the Sports Animals Show on ESPN Honolulu. Hope you're having a great morning. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be wet again today, but uh, gosh, hopefully not as bad as yesterday. And uh, we had some of those rolling blackouts. We'll keep you posted with information as it comes in from Hawaiian Electric this morning. We'll also keep you updated on traffic and all the stuff on the road. But top stories we're going to be following this morning. Uh, you might have heard this yesterday or saw it online. Jaden Mayava uh, has come out of the transfer portal, former UNLV and Kaimu Key quarterback, and he's ended up at Georgia. little surprising at that. His father, I guess, was the one to announce it. I would imagine it's probably true, if, even though his father is saying it, not Georgia yet. Uh, I don't know if he's going to start right away. I'm still wondering if he maybe he's going to redshirt because they still got Carson Beck starting next year, who was their quarterback this season. You know, it was supposed to be a Black Friday, and as the newspaper says this morning, was, I mean, Black Monday, it was kind of a gray Monday. Three, what are we looking for? Are there three openings now in Five. the NFL as far as uh, coaches go? Five. Five openings overall. It doesn't seem like that much. Usually it's about a third of the coaches that seem to be gone. I guess everyone's waiting for some kind of news out of New England. Well, supposedly Belichick had a meeting with Robert Kraft yesterday and nothing announced yesterday. I don't know if they would do anything this fast. Belichick did indicate yesterday still under contract, preparing like normal. Nothing different, nothing really big that he announced yesterday. But you would think New England's going to say something one way or the other. Either he's gone, whether it's mutual or not, or they're going to bring him back. But I think they have to say something one way or the other sometime soon. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that for you as well. we got volleyball tickets we're giving away. Uh, keep listening for that here. Uh, we'll get into the latest uh, on the transfer portal. When does this transfer portal close? I don't know when it closes. I mean, obviously, you weren't able to enter it until, I think, December 10th, Second. whatever date it was, uh, in early December. But we got people entering it still. So mm-hmm. I, I I know there is a cutoff date, and I believe it's it's in some part of January. You want to get it done before signing day, I would think, just to be fair to the school. You don't want to have a guy transferring in March and you already missed the signing period of maybe getting his replacement. So I have a feeling it's before the signing day in early February. All right. And uh, what a game yesterday it was uh, yesterday for the national championship. Uh, Michigan wins it all. It was just as I thought. Michigan was just too strong. That defense was unbelievable. It was like watching Ray Lewis and the Baltimore Ravens back in the day. I think somebody texted us yesterday and predicted, I think, 31-13 Michigan. Boy, were they uh, as close as you could possibly get. And, you know, uh, Washington did get a little bit closer. They got it, cut it down after being down by a couple of touchdowns to one score. But they they just couldn't get back into it. 
And you knew after the first quarter, I felt at least, it was definitely Michigan's game. They were the better team on both sides. Their running game couldn't be denied. You rushed for over 300 yards in a championship game. I would imagine that's a record or close to it a is. record. They were, the best. they were the better team by far yesterday. Yeah, and, you know, I thought that momentum changed a little bit. And you guys can chime in at 808-296-1420. I, uh, I thought that I saw some a little bit of a momentum change, and I don't remember – the tight end's name for Washington, but they basically spilled him like a wheelbarrow out of bounds, causing a um, uh, um, a penalty, a 15-yard penalty on top of the, the game from the pass. And then you saw some momentum kind of going their way. But, boy, the pressure, the pressure that Michigan put on Washington was the key to that game. Did you ever see him rush more than four people? Probably not. Probably not. No, they didn't. They were that's not my whole thing. They rushed four people the whole game. Everyone else just kind of stood in a zone for the entire football game. And it's not only like they were pressuring Michael Penix. First, he had a bad ankle, and then he could hardly breathe. In my mind, the game was over with two and a half minutes left. And I don't know, Mike, I don't know if it's a humanitarian me or what, but I'm thinking, why are you keeping him out there? Oh, I guess to, to win the game, but the guy could hardly stand up straight. I mean, I'm sure I haven't heard any reports this morning yet, but I'm sure he's got a couple of cracked ribs. Maybe. So I think in that situation, you want to let him finish the game because it was his game. And when they closed yeah. it right before halftime and made it 17-10, where I was thinking after they got stopped, I believe, three running plays in a row, and they were like around the eight or nine-yard line, go for the field goal at that point. So they go for the touchdown, and it's good. I thought they might have a little more momentum in the third quarter when they closed right. it to 17-10. Obviously, it didn't happen. And the running game for Michigan couldn't be stopped. And Washington and Spurts had some nice drives, like the one at the end of the first half. But obviously, it wasn't enough right i mean they kind of went into a, a you know a prevent if you will as as preventative as they would have done in the game but yeah you know even the coach when they uh, interviewed uh, the coach for washington deboer 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 anyway the, the coach <laughs> for washington is headed off the field he seemed real calm he's just like yeah you know we took a, a couple of early punches but I mean, it had to have felt good to score at the end of the game, at the end of the half, and then knowing you're getting the ball back in the third quarter, you're only down by a touchdown. But it did get. It was just, it was just too much, you know. That poor Michael Penix, because even at the end of the game, um, Michigan was just rushing four guys, and even with two and a half minutes left, like I said, sure you you want him to finish the game. It's his game, but they still couldn't protect him. With four guys rushing. I mean, that poor guy got knocked on the ground. How many times, even with seconds left in the game, it was, I, I feel so bad. I mean, that's one of the most courageous performances uh, that I've seen on a stage like this in a long, long time. And remember Washington. It reminds me of Rock, it reminds me of Tiger Woods uh, in the, uh, was it the Masters or U.S. Open, where he was walking around on a bum leg? I think it was U.S. Open. And remember, Washington's offensive line was voted the best in the country winning that Joe Moore award, and still they couldn't do a good job for Penix. He threw that interception late when they were down by two touchdowns and ran, got run back to like the four or five-yard line. And, you know, I don't think they were going to come back anyway, anyway at that point. They weren't going to be able to get two touchdowns in the last four and a half minutes. Uh, get a valiant effort, but Michigan was clearly the better team. Still, Washington, I don't think, embarrassed themselves. Uh, Michigan was just that much better. And Washington, first loss in 21 games. They've won 21 in a row. 
That is a pretty impressive streak, to say the least. I mean, a season and a half of nonstop winning. Yeah, I guess that Joe Moore Award should actually be for news anchors and not offensive linemen, after all, when you look at it that way. But, uh, you know, I wonder if this creates kind of maybe a, a new rivalry in the Big Ten between Washington and Michigan. Well, they play each other next October. October, I believe it is, in Seattle. Yes. So they'll, I mean, they can build on it. I mean, I'm not sure if they play each other every year with that new schedule and how it rotates oh. in the Big Ten, but I believe it's on a two-year basis at least, so they'll play them maybe the next two years at least. Yeah. All right. We'll check your traffic in about five minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. Larry Kruger, uh, who's got a podcast, and he's a host uh, for a radio station in San Francisco, is going to be joining us coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, now we see about Jim Harbaugh, what is next for him. Uh, he just indicated yesterday after the game that what is next is that they have a 1 p.m. checkout out of their hotel today, which is right around now almost. And, uh, and then they'll be going back to Ann Arbor. He's not going to say anything yet. Uh, I think a lot of people are curious. And obviously, we're all curious of what he'll do. I wonder if he's even made up his mind. Uh, well, do you think – I mean, he hasn't gone through any job interview process or anything yet, has he? No, but I, I would <laughs> okay. imagine his, his, his agent has probably gotten feelers and because there's so much talk about the NFL team. I, I don't think necessarily – I mean, the communication between he and the team hasn't started yet. Right. But I would imagine he still thought about it, and I know he's aware of, obviously, the NCAA investigation, whether he wants to stay at Michigan or not. I mean, it's a great way to leave winning a championship. Does he want to deal with the NCAA and the possible – sanctions and also the angle of is the nfl job necessarily better financially and stability wise i mean if you go to the charges of the raiders the teams that are mentioned more frequently than anybody else uh they i mean you got a justin herbert so maybe that's a good fit for him in la with the chargers and it is a good fit i would think that way but if you're not going to win a super bowl why wouldn't why wouldn't you maybe want to stay at michigan and just dominate on the college level where they've been to the 14 playoffs three years in a row now ending up with the title last night we don't know well, how he's thinking though obviously right no you don't know how he's thinking and you, i don't expect to know how he's thinking and if you're asking him What's next for you the day, you know, the night of the national championship? Did anyone expect to get an answer? Well, the question was, you know, if your agent's talking to somebody, what's he going to say? My agent's talking to a few coaches, so we'll see what's good for uh, me in the future. Now, as far as going to the Chargers or wherever else you go, when he went to Michigan, Michigan wasn't, say, I mean, Michigan's a good football team. But what did they have? Uh, I know at Washington they only had four wins when Winston's came. But what I'm getting at is it's not like, okay, Jim Harbaugh's here and, um, you know, Michigan, that's the missing piece for Michigan to win a national championship. You, you know what I mean? There's plenty of talent on the Los Angeles Chargers, and it starts with quarterback. I mean, I think that's what makes it one of the – uh, more desirable jobs in the NFL as opposed to Washington or, you know, who knows about Carolina. I, I, I really don't know what we have in Bryce Young. But I would think that, um, you know, I, I'm sure that he's probably going to take a couple of days off and talk to people and people are going to fly over to him, his house and see him and visit and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. No matter what it is, it's not like it's like, well, I need a job. <laughs> 
No, not at all. It's nice to be in a position like that where you get to kind of pick and choose. And you know Michigan would love to keep him, you would expect, and probably give him a nice raise on top of that. And if he's making, I looked it up, he was he signed a 10-year, $125 million contract recently with Michigan. I don't know how many years ago. Uh, that's $12.5 million a year. I don't know if an yeah. NFL – I'm sure an NFL team would give him more because that's one of the only ways you're going to get him is to pay him more than Michigan. Still, you could probably get a pretty good raise at Michigan as well. Now, again, with the question last night, I think what was asked by Scott Van Pelt with Harbaugh was, when do you think you might be making a decision? He knows you're not going to get a what next as far as, you know, what his you're future right. holds. Thank but you. Will, Thank there, will you. there be anything in the next couple of days as far as you deciding? And he didn't really answer that, of course, as well. Mm. The, okay, so for folks who are not remembering, what okay, what are they being investigated for? Well, well, for, let's back up a little bit first. But the first thing that got him suspended, remember, for those three games at the beginning of the season was illegally recruiting during COVID when recruiting was basically put to a halt. All and right. you had all these limits on what you couldn't do, and they broke those rules, apparently, with contacting recruits. So that was the first three-game suspension that he didn't feel he deserved. The second one is the sign-stealing. Now, the Big Ten suspended okay. him, but the NCAA hasn't taken action yet. They are still investigating whether he is directly implicated with this and what the punishment would be. I believe it's a level two the, violation, not a level— The Big Ten suspended Jim Harbaugh? He got suspended for three games at the end of the season. Remember, he missed the Ohio State game, in fact. He missed the first three games and the last yeah. three games? Yes. Wow. And okay. putting the Ohio State game and the Maryland game, and I think Penn State Crazy. might have been the third. So, I, obviously, that didn't so leave really, him. So, really, whoever who, – who was the interim coach while he was gone? Maybe that guy should be the coach. The defensive coordinator. The yeah, and he actually said these wins should go on to Jim Harbaugh, not me. He was, he was very emotional, used some choice words on TV after his first win uh, that he probably might regret. But the point is they're still investigating. And, again, it's a level two violation if they're found guilty of the sign stealing. It is against the rules for how they – did it uh so it wouldn't be something where i don't know what the punishment would be as far as more how many more games suspended or bowl ban it wouldn't be as bad as let's say usc and what happened after p carroll left where you lost i believe 10 scholarships or more a year the bowl ban for two or three years things like that but you might not want to deal with that a lot of coaches it seems do not want to have to deal with the ncaa who they feel might be biased and don't handle things properly and if you have the option of moving on that might i would think that would be the reason he would leave Michigan, not because he wants to win a Super Bowl necessarily, which is a good reason as well, but because right. he wants to get away from the NCAA and he won a championship. Why not see yeah. what's out there or, next and not dealing with them? Right, or or maybe it's not he's not leaving not to deal with it, but hey, I've conquered all I can in college football. Let me go see if I can win a championship in pro football like my brother. Yeah, and Tanner looked it up that earlier. Could be, that could be the only reason, too. Right, and I, I was wondering who, what, what coaches have won both, a college football championship and a Super Bowl, and it is Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer, and Pete Carroll. It's still a pretty short list. So I, I don't know if that's something he wants, you know, on his legacy, but we'll find out, I would imagine, sometime soon because signing day comes up in three weeks from tomorrow, the next signing period. And one thing Harbaugh mentioned I thought was telling as well with Scott Van Pelt is that we always start spring practice on Valentine's Day because we love football, he said, which I thought was kind of cool. He said this year, though, they pushed it back a month to March. 
And to me, that almost meant like maybe he's staying. Because if you're pushing it back a month, but you're not going to be there, why would you push that date back? Or does it mean maybe because there's going to be a new coach there and they're pushing it back? Uh, there's so many different ways of maybe. looking at that. Well, I think also it might just be, hey, there's a reason the field's not ready or something like that that we don't know of uh, back here in Hawaii. I mean, there might just be something where it's just like, hey, we're. I mean, you, you work your job until the day you're done. I don't think you stop working because you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do in the future. I'm not going to decide for a month. But in that month, I'm not going to do any work. I mean, you still work the job until, you know, you give your two weeks or whatever it is. But anyway, uh, let's switch gears, talk some San Francisco 49ers with our special guest coming up next. It's 17 minutes after the hour here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Uh, time right now for our bulletin board brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. Uh, families affected by disasters are urgently, they urgently need your support. You can help the American Red Cross provide help and hope to people affected by disasters big and small. You can donate today at redcross.org. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Listening, we got more tickets to give away here on ESPN Honolulu. And we've got the NFL playoffs coming up starting this Saturday. A couple of teams will have buys, including the San Francisco 49ers. Still a lot to go over as we are joined now on ESPN Honolulu. He's the host of the Pig Pickle Krug Show on YouTube and Spotify. Also a host on 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. Larry Kruger back with us. Larry, it's been a really long time since we had you on the show. It was early in the season. I think the 49ers overall had a pretty successful regular season. Yeah, I'd have to say you're right. Um, they got everything they wanted out of it, and the first round bye and the and the little rest here in week 18. So I think uh, they feel the same way. Except for that three game losing streak, it looks like they started the season on top and obviously ended the season on top. I don't really count that Rams game because they were resting so many people. I would think that the big concern for them right now is just being healthy come that playoff game in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, their health is pretty good. I mean, they're waiting on Eric Armstead's plantar fasciitis. Um, they tried to freshen up a couple guys. They've got, you know, Christian McCaffrey's had some dings, and Jawan Jennings had a concussion, and you know. But other than that, they they're that's that's um, you know one of the things that they're worried about. Other than that, now the kicker is struggling, um, and hopefully they can get him back in rhythm. Um, and there's a couple of concerns, but basically, you know, they, they're, the injury bug is not going to be one of them. I know in the Krug show, as I mentioned on YouTube and Spotify, you have a segment about the concerns. Is there anything else specifically on offense or defense? I know they don't know their opponent yet, of course, but as far as that is concerned, can you maybe give us a little bit more on some of those other concerns? Well, I mean, you know, you're always concerned. I mean, they're going to lean on five young defensive backs. Um, who are all either first, second, or third-year players. Those guys are going to have to perform, um, including guys like Samuel Womack and Darrell Luter Jr. 
Um, Brock Purdy did throw nine interceptions in, in his four defeats this year. So, I mean, he's got to take care of the ball. Uh, they missed a lot of tackles on defense against the run. I think a lot of that was attributable to the fatigue, so maybe the two weeks solves that. Their offensive line um, is not one of the NFL's better offensive lines, and so they got to hope that their offensive line stands up and, and plays well. So there are a few things that, you know, like every team, nobody's perfect. Every team's got some weaknesses, and, and they're – you know, they've got theirs as well. We are talking San Francisco 49ers football. Larry Kruger from the uh, Krug Show on YouTube and Spotify joining us on ESPN Honolulu. It's interesting that you say, you know, they've got theirs as well. I mean, from afar, it doesn't really seem like they have nearly as many as anybody else. And let's just look at the NFC. They seem to be the most consistent team all year. Again, we mentioned that three-game losing streak. Uh, we know they've had some, obviously, big games, big matchups against Baltimore. That was a tough one. Uh, you know, Miami, some of the other big teams in there. When you look ahead to their possible opponents in that first game for them, who do you see as the most likely candidates or the most likely scenario on who they might play? Well, I would imagine Tampa Bay. You know, if Tampa Bay, you know, beats the Eagles, um, I think that's they're likely. I mean, I think the the chalk is going to win out. I think Dallas is going to be tested by Green Bay, but beat Green Bay. I think Detroit will be tested by the Rams, but they'll beat the Rams. Um, and and I I think Tampa Bay probably is going to handle Philadelphia. So, I mean, I, I would think it's probably going to be Tampa Bay, but it could be the Rams. I mean, if the Rams somehow go to Detroit and pull an upset, you know, you could, and it's possible because the Rams can score 30 points. I just think that, man, Detroit, you know, that they haven't hosted a playoff game in Detroit in a long time, and I think that atmosphere is going to be electric, and I imagine Detroit's going to play a great game. You know, you mentioned Brock Purdy and the interceptions in those losses, nine interceptions in those four losses. There was a time during the season where people thought he could be maybe the favorite or one of the favorites for MVP. When you look back on his overall performance and playing 16 of the 17 games, what kind of an evaluation do you give him? I mean, if you're grading him, you got to give him an A. I mean, it's like, you know, the guy was the last pick in the draft. He's coming off a major elbow surgery. He didn't have much of an offseason. And, you know, he, he's played incredible football. He's, you know, he's top five in every major category across the board. He's leading in several. Um, he throws with anticipation. He, you know, he, he buys extra time in the pocket. He's a great late in the down thrower. Um, he plays with composure. Um, I mean, there's, you know, poise. I mean, he's, he's had a terrific year. I mean, he's established himself as, you know, in a very short amount of time, he's established himself as a legitimate NFL quarterback and now a legitimate top-tier NFL quarterback. And that's a great distance to have traveled in a short amount of time. If you, I'm not sure if you have a vote for MVP, but if you did, who would you vote for? I mean, to me, just for the league, not just for the Niners, I still feel it's Christian McCaffrey. I mean... To me, I mean, you know, I don't know why it's been this way, but it seems like it's been a quarterback award. And I, I'd give my vote to Lamar Jackson. I mean, they have a terrific team. Uh, he has no real running game. You know, the running backs are all hurt. They lost J.K. Dobbins early. They lost Keaton Mitchell late. Um, I don't really like those receivers that much. They lost Mark Andrews. 
Zay Flowers is their best receiver. He's a rookie. They don't have a lot of great weapons. Um, I think it's Lamar. I mean, not a bad choice. I know he's probably the favorite, especially the way he finished the season as well. Kyle Shanahan, does he get enough credit in your opinion? Um, you know, it's funny. It's like, you know, the people that support him, you know, give him lots of credit. I think everybody acknowledges that he's got an offense that works, uh, that he's one of the better offensive coaches in pro football. But, um, you know, we're very much a all or nothing society until he gets the, you know, he's in the same spot that Andy Reid was in when Andy Reid was in Philadelphia. Lots of professional respect from the people in the know, but the public and the fans won't fully embrace him until he gets that Super Bowl ring. And um, Andy went to Kansas City, found Mahomes, and has a couple rings. If Shanahan, you know, can can get a couple rings, he'll have all the respect he deserves. But he has that respect from the players. He has that respect already from from opposing teams. But the fans um, won't really give him his flowers until he climbs to the top of the mountaintop. I think a lot of teams would love to have a coach like uh, Kyle Shanahan, that's for sure. I want to ask you one other question, just switching gears for a little bit, because you're in San Francisco based there. And your opinion on the Draymond Green situation, we haven't really brought it up on this show, but the fact that the NBA reinstates him after only 12 games for that suspension. He did talk about wanting to retire, and Adam Silver talked him out of it. I want to get your take on his situation in San Francisco. Well, I mean, if you think the guy was going to retire, then I've got to, you know, I'd like you to go to my next poker game. You know, I mean, the guy is a multi-million dollar contract. And, you know, I think that's just melodrama to say that he was going to retire. So he was going to walk away from millions of dollars. Why? Because he's upset that he was suspended for clubbing somebody or that he doesn't like, you know, uh, the way things have gone. I, I just, now, there's a lot of people who just do a lot of talking, and I don't believe a lot of it. As far as Green, I mean, that was a head slap. That was a Deacon Jones head slap. It wasn't basketball. He clearly has anger problems. He's a genius basketball player. But, um, you know, he, he's, he, and at times he loses control. He, you know, he, he doesn't just tiptoe on the line. He vaults over the line. Um, he needs to, you know, un, you know I mean, He's made these mistakes over and over and over again, but they're not even really mistakes. He just, it was, what he did this last time was premeditated. Uh, it was violent. It wasn't basketball. As far as the suspension, you know, 12 games, you know, I don't know. It, it's a very bizarre situation. I mean, not only is he a player, but he has his own podcast. He's on the TNT broadcast. He's part of, um, you know, I mean, I, did Adam Silver go soft on him because, um, you know, he cares about Draymond's well-being. Well, according to Draymond, that's the case. Or did Adam Silver go soft on him because he's part of the NBA's presentation to the public and that he's, he's not just a player, he's a player and an announcer, um, and he means a lot to the NBA's ability to make money. You know, the other speculation is that the Warriors are – how much damage do they really want to do to the Warriors? You know, the Warriors are their biggest TV draw. You know, last I checked, organizations rarely make huge uh, fundamental decisions that wind up costing them money. If the Warriors make the playoffs, the league stands to make a great deal of money. And so if you, if you give them 40 games or something like that, 
and they miss the playoffs, now you're biting off your nose to spite your face and you're going to make less money because the Warriors and the Lakers are the biggest TV draws in your in the playoffs and you've now essentially kicked them out of the playoffs. So, I don't know. It comes across like, oh, man, Adam Silver cares so much about the players, but I think Adam Silver cares so much about money. <laughs> I, you can't blame because pretty much everybody else involved in sports cares more about money than almost anything else as well. But interesting perspective there. We'll continue to follow that story. And, of course, the Niners getting this weekend off should be great when they do find out their opponent comes Sunday or Monday. Larry, always great to talk to you. Happy New Year, and we'll talk again soon. Yeah, Happy New Year to you guys, and always a pleasure having me on. Thanks. Thanks. Anytime you need me, give me a call. All right. Thank you so much. Larry Kruger again joining us. He is the host of the Pig Pickle Crook Show on YouTube and Spotify, also a host on 95.7 The Game in San Francisco, joining us on ESPN Honolulu. All right. Uh, you know, we're mentioning uh, the NFL, and those postseason awards will be coming up. We'll see what uh, See what Gary Dickman has to say on Coach of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, and more. That's on the way here. Uh, you can also text in your thoughts at 808-296-1420. And hopefully you have the official sports animal mobile carrier, Spectrum Mobile. In fact, go big. Get Spectrum Internet, mobile, and TV. Visit Spectrum.com for details. National Weather Service uh, reports more rain and uh, rain today with uh, breezy winds. Uh, it's going to be mostly sunny tomorrow, uh, they say. High about 78, low 70. Now, it depends where you go. Uh, KHON was reporting, to, I think, tomorrow morning it's going to be like 61 degrees. That's 9 degrees. Some, somebody's got to talk to each other and get this straight. <laughs> but I'll go with the National Weather Service. Yeah, uh, mostly sunny, high 78, low 70. That's tomorrow. In fact, it looks like it's clearing up a little bit right now. It's, they're really getting it bad on Maui uh, right now. Um, not as much here on Oahu, especially uh, yesterday. But anyway, we'll keep you updated. Another traffic update coming up in about eight minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, we do have breaking news in the NFL. Yeah, Adam Schefter from ESPN, the first to report that another coaching vacancy in the NFL as Mike Vrabel of Tennessee has been let go. Four straight playoff appearances until the last two years, both under 500. And it wasn't Black Monday, but it's Black Tuesday for Mike Vrabel. He is now looking for a job, and Tennessee is looking for another head coach. I wonder, though, if uh, it makes sense, and uh, we brought this up during the break, and Tanner Hayworth, I'll give him credit for this, you know, it's, it's wow. Would Mike Vrabel be a good fit at New England if Robert Kraft wasn't going to get rid of Bill Belichick? Does now he does, now does he say, "Oh, Mike Vrabel's available"? Hmm. Or do you maybe bring him on as maybe a defensive coordinator if you're going to keep Belichick? Of course. Well, I think their defensive cord their defensive their defense is fine, right? It wasn't the problem. The offense was unbelievably bad. Well, yeah, the offense was bad. Bill Belichick was, um, you know, the drafting is bad. True. That's something that they've got to turn around. I mean, yes. who have they drafted? What star players have they drafted? I, I think that whole thing with Matt Patricia being the offensive coordinator last year, 
I think that is where this whole thing went south, and I think that I think it's I don't know that Bill Belichick survives this. He out uh, thought now, himself. He'll yeah. get a job. Maybe the Tennessee Titans will have him. He'll get a job if he wants to work. Yes. I don't know that I don't know that he survives this really. I mean, four what is it? Four losing seasons in a row. They've made the playoffs once, but they haven't won a playoff game since Tom Brady left. Right. So so they've made a playoff when Tom with a losing record? No, they made it with a winning I, record. Mac Jones first year, I believe they made the playoffs and lost their first game. Gotcha. Anyway, it's been it's been a lot of losing lately and it's it's you know, you say well, how does so-and-so, how does somebody forget how to coach? You know what? It happens to all of them. Did Chuck Knoll forget how to coach? No, I guess. But did Tom Landry all of a sudden forget how to coach? Times change. The game changes. And the old-timers got to keep up. I, and they yeah. don't. It never lasts. Maybe Nick Saban that. is the best example <laughs> of uh, Nick Saban actually changing with the times. You'll remember Alabama football. Uh, before Tua Tonga-Vailoa arrived, I mean, Alabama and, and Lane Kiffin, more importantly, uh, Alabama football was smash-mouth football. Then Lane Kiffin comes along, and, and they start throwing the ball all over the place. Well, that wasn't Nick Saban football. He changed with the times. That's why he remains good. Right. People who don't want to change and do everything the old way, uh, the get-off-my-lawn type coaches, they don't last very long. Well, Belichick has lasted long, but not with success in recent years. I think with Tom of, Brady, right? That's true. Of course, it is true, definitely. And I think that kind of leads me to this: with the roster, it just hasn't been the same. Now, with, until Brady left, you weren't really drafting that high, so it might have been a little bit more difficult to replenish uh, the roster. That, uh, a lot of co- I'm sorry to interrupt you, Gary, but there's a lot of teams that draft well, no matter where they draft. The San Francisco 49ers were drafting low; they drafted jo- uh, Brock Purdy. Well, that, that's the exception to the rule, though. No, not really. Not really. A lot of these teams. Buffalo has drafted well. They've been towards the end of the draft every year. Buffalo drafted darn well. But There's I'm, just teams that draft well, you know, and teams that don't draft well. And I'm talking more about the first round for Belichick. As that's far what as, I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking okay. about. Well, Brock Purdy <laughs> wasn't first round. He was. I know. I'm just kidding. But the San Francisco 49ers have drafted well. Yes. With yes. Hufunga and all of these other They've drafted well. And they're always towards the end of the draft. The Buffalo Bills have drafted well. The Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens have drafted well. The Philadelphia Eagles have drafted well. The New England Patriots don't draft well. You're right. There's no disputing that. You're totally right. They got right lucky with, with Tom Brady. They did. They did. They did. Uh, I, I, again, I'm really interested. I think we all are seeing what the future is for Belichick. I mean, it's so hard to fire a guy like that with, what, six Super Bowl titles? It's hard to fire him. I, I mean, you probably want him to leave on his own accord. That Maybe that looks sure. a lot better. Mutual agreement. Right. And that looks better for everybody. If he doesn't want to go, then what does Robert Kraft do? Do you force him out? I think you tell him. You, 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 I mean, it's... It, you're in a room by yourself with Bill Belichick, and you just say, "Hey, you know what? We're going to make a diff- you know we're, I'm making a move. I don't like you anymore. We're going to make a move. You go out and uh, you can say that uh, you're resigned and you're, you know, looking forward to your next opportunity or whatever. But I'll let you make this like you resigned and I didn't fire you. Yeah, I think that's the way do you go. You don't want to do what Jerry Jones did to Tom Landry, right? And come in and fire him. And there, it it it, it wasn't a good look for Jarrah. And you you saw signs in the crowds. 
Bill Belichick, uh, he irritates the heck out of me. I'm just a fan. Who cares about me? But people in New England love Bill Belichick. Right, they still right. do. Yeah. It's hard not to, but I, I think also the telling point, according to many, was when they played in Europe in October, I believe it was, maybe November, and you could see Bill, uh, Robert Kraft and his son up in a booth, and the son, with, according to lip readers, said, this is not working, we got to make a change. I'm paraphrasing, but he was basically saying, we got to move on from Bill Belichick, because they looked awful at that point, and it never got his, any his better. His son said it? Yeah. What is his... What well, his does his son, work, son do? Well, he works for the organization. Robert Kraft's son works for the organization. Right. So he's talking well, to dad about what's we his gotta, job. I can't remember his exact title. But I mean, he's it's up like there. at least it, Jerry Steve Jones at least runs the organization, right? Jerry's in on everything, but the, the operations guy, the guy that runs everything, is Steve Jones. I wonder if Robert Kraft's son uh, has, you know, what his job title is, like. You just take over while dad's going in the limo down to the massage parlor or whatever you're doing. You know what I mean? And Steve Jones, isn't he one of the – he's the main guy to wipe Jerry's sunglasses. Remember that uh, video from years ago? It's his son. I know. It's not, yeah, right, it is his son. But still, you know, if you're a president of a, comp, you know, of a football team, you would, think, you would think dad could do that by himself. You know what? I think that um, – I think that, you know, dad's, what, 90 years old? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would th- I wouldn't criticize Jim Harbaugh for wiping his, his dad's son his glasses or something like that. Well, Steve Jones, not Jim Harbaugh. I'm just saying, for a son to wipe his dad's who is uh, of uh, prestige, it's below him to help his dad out. It looked kind of funny to you. Yeah. <laughs> 7:45 with the animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Well, because of that breaking news, once again, uh, that uh, Tennessee Titans now are looking for another coach. Uh, that Because of that breaking news, we didn't get to our NFL postseason awards. We'll do that coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, if you're a volleyball fan, come on down and join us at Call the Coach with Charlie Wade, presented by PAXA. Our first edition is tonight, 6.30 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday, Moanalua. You can join us on site, enjoy a great dinner, got prize giveaways, and you'll get the latest on Hawaii Rainbow Warrior Volleyball. Tonight, 6.30 on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, somebody wants to uh, know if we have any updates on the University of Hawaii uh, coaching uh, positions. Uh, nothing new to report, just rumors, I guess. Yeah, we'll have John Venneri join us in about 30 minutes, and uh, I know he's on top of these things. We'll see if there's anything late as far as the latest with that, but nothing we have heard officially since yesterday with those rumors at least out there. Right, and uh, I know that we're talking national championship football. Uh, we've got the NFL going on, but we are not – our uh, attention will be – uh, on this as well now i saw something and um um i want to get into this whole oregon hawaii football game as well 
But um, coming up, we've got um, NFL postseason awards. I don't know when they announce this. Do they, they do it before the during the they uh, do it a couple, AFC and NFC championship games? No, a couple of days before the Super Bowl, they'll have the uh, Hall of Honors or the NFL Honors Show, I think they call it, where they oh, make the official right. announcement with the Hall of Fame inductees and all those MVPs, Rookie of the Year, and all that stuff. So like three days before the Super Bowl. All right, so uh, uh, Coach of the Year. Who do you think should be Coach of the Year? Now, you might think of somebody towards, you know, the first part of the season, maybe the second part of the season. I'm kind of using a... Uh, kind of using a, a guide from ESPN as far as who might be nominated. But as far as coach of the year, there's one guy in my mind that really stands out. Who do you, who do you, who would be your pick? I know you're thinking of the same coach, Bill Belichick. Uh, of course, we're just choking. D'Amico Ryan of Houston. Or Demeco, Demeco Ryan of Houston. Demeco, I, mean, I, I, I know that Kevin Stefanski <laughs> deserves a lot of uh, credit for what he's done in Cleveland, but the Houston Texans, I believe, won three games last year, and they have a rookie quarterback. And look what he has done with that team. Maybe not a very strong division. I think it's easily him for getting the coach of the year. I think. I mean, again, Stefanski would be second on my list, but Ryan would be number one. You know, one. I want to say, okay, part of me wants to say Demeco Ryan's because of what he's done. I mean. I mean, who would think that the uh, Houston Texans would be where they are today, going to the playoffs? That's pretty special. But Kevin Stefanski, what is the record? 11, and, 11 wins? Is that what it was? 11 and 12 six. wins? They lost that last game by resting everybody to Cincinnati. Okay, so eleven and, let's say 11-5 and five before the last game that they didn't try. So 11-5 and five in a division, uh, probably the best division in football as far as wins and losses go. The Baltimore Ravens, the number one seed in the AFC. You got the Pittsburgh Steelers at ten and seven. The Cincinnati Bengals. What did they actually finish? Nine and eight with that win. It's the first time since the merger that any division has had every team over five hundred. Right. Think about that. Yeah, fifty-three years. That's the only time it's ever happened with Cincinnati's win. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of torn. But if I had to choose somebody, I'm going to go with Kevin Stefanski with the Browns. But I'd be happy with, you know, another person here uh, uh, in ESPN. They're saying maybe Sean McVay. I mean, the Rams are not supposed to do anything. And I don't know about you, the Rams, speaking of good drafting, Puka Nakua, the the Rams, I mean, they've got a um, – you don't want to face the Rams in the playoffs. That's where we are right now. Yeah, and somebody texted in McVay number one. I wouldn't put him at number I, one. He, he did I do think a, a really lot of people job. agree with him. But the turnaround for – I mean, they are—they still had talent. You still had Matthew Stafford at least half the time. You still had Aaron Donald. You had Cooper Cup. You didn't have a, as bad of a roster as Houston did. That's why, even though McVay did uh, do a good job and they deserve credit because nobody picked them as a playoff team this year. They didn't make it last right. year. Well, and they're doing it without draft picks. Now, they drafted someone like Puka Nakua in the – what was it, the third round, fourth round, fifth round, whatever it was. They got late-round draft picks, but they gave away all their draft picks. Yeah, right. And look what he's done with it. Yeah. And they have more on their defensive line than just Aaron Donald. But anyway, so I don't. I wouldn't put anyone down for uh, picking Sean McVay. This is next to category is tough. I know we only got a second. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Tanner says, I'll go with what Tanner says. He likes Will Anderson, uh, the defensive end from the Texans. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. I, I be honest, that's probably the category I haven't followed as much, but I know he's had a very good year. I think because nobody has actually stood out. 
mm. like they would say offensive rookie of the year, right? Yeah, exactly. I think you and I would agree that we would give it to C.J. Stroud. Easily. Easily. Yeah. I think he deserves it. I don't know. Easily. Um, Puka Nakua 4, is another guy. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. Nakua had a I great mean, year as this well. This is a rookie records. with like 1,400 yards. So I think that C.J. Stroud gets it just because he's a quarterback. And 4,000 yards for a rookie quarterback is outstanding. Doesn't happen very often. On a bad team, allegedly. Right. Well, supposedly. Defensive player of the year. It's really up between, in my mind, Micah Parsons and T.J. Watt. Someone might argue some other players, but i got to give it to T.J. Watt. I would go with them. I would put uh, Nick Bosa in there as well, but I would probably go T.J. Watt and Micah Parsons would be a close second. All three of them are outstanding. You can put Nick and Joey Bosa in there, even though they're sometimes hurt. T.J. Watt is incredible. But okay. Micah Parsons also, it's hard, I think. I mean, any anybody preparing has to prepare for these guys, right? I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, big what time. do we do to stop these one guys? Uh, these one guys. All right. Okay, this is the hardest one. Offensive player of the year in the NFL. I am not a homer when I say this, I feel, but I go with Tua. Tua Tango-Vailoa. He's not the MVP. I don't MVP. think he's on the radar. He, he's not on the radar. I don't think he's on the radar anymore. I think he was. Now, remember, the. I think I was reading in uh, somewhere this morning. I think this last uh, 10 games, he's had like 10 touchdowns and seven interceptions, something like Four that. Four in the last two games, in fact, as well. But he's thrown a lot of interceptions and not a ton of touchdowns. Now, um, you could look at Tyreek Hill. They could I mean, that's one other. of the reasons, to, you know, people aren't giving Tua the credit for all those yards. He leads the NFL in yardage thrown, right? Yes. But they're not giving the credit to Tua. They're giving it to Tyreek Hill. C.D. Lamb had his best year ever. I would give it to myself, Christian McCaffrey all the way. And you can't go wrong with him either. So maybe I am a little biased with Tua. I think Christian McCaffrey's my MVP over Lamar. But, yeah, McCaffrey's great. But I love what Tua did this year. Okay, coming up, uh, let's see. We still have MVP. I want to get into... More on the Oregon State, uh, excuse me, Oregon Hawaii football. We got to, you know, in, uh, on the football side, we got to. Re- I know you were talking about that at the end of the six o'clock hour. Uh, got to talk about a replacement for that game, or do we want a replacement? That and more coming up with our top stories on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, happy anniversary to the iPhone today. The original iPhone was presented to the world back in 2007. So recent, yeah? It is. I remember seeing somebody at the Pro Bowl, a friend of mine, making airline reservations and purchasing the ticket on his phone, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. (laughs) All right. Uh, Happy birthday if you're celebrating your birthday today from all of us here at ESPN Honolulu. January 9th, 2024. Where is the time gone? Richard Hainish's birthday today. Oh, happy birthday, Richard Hainish. Uh, our top stories we're kind of following. Well, the national championship reaction to the national championship in college football, uh, just as I think a lot of people expected for whatever reason, Michigan was just too strong. Not that Washington was soft, but Michigan was just dominant. 
So if anybody thought, well, Michigan didn't have a really tough schedule this year, they weren't as good as their record showed, I think they put that to bed last night with that win because they, again, it wasn't a blowout per se, but they showed clearly that they were the best team. You know what? And they proved it on the field. I think that Washington got outcoached. I honestly think that Washington out got outcoached. With all of that pressure that Michigan was putting on, just rushing for, Washington didn't start to kind of react offensively with their play calling till like later in the second quarter. I mean, they, they, they it was like when you have that much pressure, that's where you got to bust out screens and draws and all those kinds of things. Shovel pass if you've got them, if that's in your uh, repertoire. But they, they were trying to throw down the field. Then they started wising up and they were throwing out those middle screens and stuff like that. But you know what? I think Washington just got outcoached. And I think Kalen DeBoer won, I think, Coach of the Year and some of the awards that were given up. I agree with you. And we had a guest on yesterday morning, uh, the 6 o'clock hour, and I asked him if they were coaching advantage with Harbaugh over DeBoer, and he clearly agreed, saying, yeah. I mean, Harbaugh, I mean, you can say what you want if you don't like him and all that stuff, but he has proven that he is an excellent football coach. Oh, sure. I mean, look, the guy took over Washington uh, off of a four-win season couple of years later they're in a national championship right michigan you mean oh i'm sorry i was talking about uh um, well he's a very good coach too he deserved it but i think again when you're talking about getting out coach last night harbaugh i mean is one on every level i mean i'm big time winning right so I, I think it's i i give the i give the credit to uh his coordinators not that i'm taking it away from jim harbaugh he's he's responsible for if that's the guy that's responsible when you lose he's also should be responsible when you win I just think they got out-schemed. The guys behind the schemes did a better job for Michigan, in my humble opinion. Uh, let's see. Oh, sorry, I was getting a spam call. That's why I... <laughs> I feel bad what for Billy Hull. What a time for some spam. Yeah. I feel bad for Billy Hull. He was at the game, so I don't feel bad oh. for him for that. He's a big University of Washington yeah. fan, and at least he got to experience it, but he's been obviously a big backer of theirs for forever, as far as long as I've known. He's an alum. He's an yeah, alum, right, of course. Right. So that's got to be tough. But just making it, again, they shouldn't feel embarrassed or ashamed. They, you know, 21-game winning streak and going that far, pretty, pretty good season, I'd say, overall. Yeah, now they're in the Big Ten. Perhaps now they're in the Big Ten. All of that exposure on national TV, uh, recruiting will be that much better for Washington as well. I hope this starts off a little rivalry. You have a instead of, you know, it's never going to be Michigan Ohio State, but maybe they create some kind of trophy for the game or I don't know. Anyway, it would be good because I mean you get you're going to get these teams coming into the Big Ten that seem out of place, but now Washington Michigan have that history already. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's uh, move on here. Uh, the latest in the transfer portal. Well. Uh, once a bulldog, always a bulldog, I guess. Jaden Mayava, uh, the star quarterback for UNLV, uh, well, he entered the transfer portal. He came out the other end. He is now a Georgia bulldog, a Georgia bulldog. I loved what he did at UNLV. I thought he had a great game against Hawaii. Uh, I'm being honest here. I was surprised to see that. I just, I don't see him being a quarterback in one of the top teams in the country necessarily. I mean, I think he's really good. But that, again, first of all, it surprised me. And I know he entered the portal already. But to go to Georgia, where I guess he would sit for at least a year, whether it's a redshirt or not, because Carson Beck is back and he's been their starting quarterback at least this season. Uh, and maybe that's a better way to go so he can get acclimated to their system for a year, if that's the way they go again, redshirting him. Okay. And where did, and I can't remember where Dominic Riola's son went. He, he committed from Georgia, and now he's where? Nebraska. Oh. Dylan Reed, wow, really? because of his father playing there, and his uncle is a coach there. Donovan is, I, on, is an assistant coach there. Right. Oh, I thought Donovan. No, that's Donovan, Donovan's son, 
Dominic is his uncle. I, I thought it was the other way around. It I think, could be. Okay. But I mean, I wish they named one Dom. One star with the, the other brother was Charlie. <laughs> yeah, right. Or something confusing like that. us. <laughs> We're easily confused. But uh, see, now that's that's more credit to Timmy Chang and his staff that Alejado uh, didn't go back to UNL, didn't stay in UNLV, right? Because they got a job opening there. Right. Here in Hawaii, you don't. So, um, you know, that's, uh, you know. Uh, it's a big deal. My good, on, announced good on us. About a month ago that he was in the portal. So it wasn't like this just happened as far as him entering the portal. And Alejandro was aware of that. So that's a good point. You know, there's a lot of guys in the, uh, there's a lot of guys in the, um, bear with me for a second. I'm going to look this up because I was looking at this last night. Uh, 27 Sports Transfer. Oh, this is great radio, I know. But there's a lot of guys who entered the transfer portal. Oh, I don't know, like, you know, whenever it was open, December 2nd or whatever it is, and they're still there. Now, there are some guys like Braden Shager, a, a few, not a ton. They've entered the transfer portal and then withdrawn. But um, if you just go by schools, there's so many guys from Hawaii that entered the, um, entered the transfer portal and are really stuck in no man's land. By the way, Josh Atkins, I don't know if this was reported, he ended up at Arizona State. Yeah. Pretty good for him. I and mean, it's his third school in three years. He went from Houston to Hawaii to Arizona State. That's pretty good. He must have done pretty well for Hawaii. You know what? I don't think he did that well. I and mean, he was the left tackle, of course, last yes. year. At the beginning of the year, that was a weakness. The whole, whole offensive line was kind of a, a tough situation. They were probably a weak link overall. They got better as the season progressed. I didn't think he was a guy. I was surprised to see him go to a Pac-12 school or whatever they're going to be called, where Arizona State, I'm forgetting. They're, they're the, the Big, Big 12, 12, Big 12, yeah. That, I, I mean, I was a little surprised to see that. Good luck to him. You, you know what? You know what that could have been? His old offensive line coach or somebody from Houston or right, whatever right. went to Arizona. Yeah. It could have been. But anyway, good luck to Josh Atkins. Sure, sure. Um, Fabian Ross, of course, we just heard, came from SC to Hawaii. Braden Shager withdrew. Um, did we make a big deal out of Dion Washington, uh, defensive lineman from Nevada, coming to Hawaii? It was mentioned when we mentioned that we didn't get anybody in the transfer portal until yesterday, but he obviously was in the transfer portal and committed pretty early. So that was a get right there. And I just think, I'm not sure if he was a Bishop Gorman guy, but the two guys yesterday that we talked about, Ross right. and Barfield, they're both Bishop Gorman guys. Yeah, I so saw that. that I saw that in the paper yesterday, yeah. Uh, but uh, J see, Jalen Walfel, eh, you know, he's a three-star guy coming out of high school. He's been in the transfer portal since December 6th, so over a month. And I don't know what that means. Are, nobody cares. Maybe you have a lot of, you, you've got, a, you know, uh, many offers and you haven't made up your mind. But I would think that Walthall would end up somewhere. He's a good, good receiver. He was good. I mean, Jordan Johnson's in the portal, Najee bryant But well, The thing to me is, and I don't know exactly how this plays out, but there's how many hundreds of players in the portal, which means even though you got a good player like the three we just mentioned, maybe not great, but good, there's not as many openings because there's so many other good players entering the portal, and it's not like you get to pick and choose as often or as easily as you might have five years ago. There's just more and more every year, so there's probably less spots for some of these guys to go to. Maybe they're, maybe he's only getting FCS offers and he's waiting for FBS offers, something Could like be. that. And I, I go back. Now, I don't see, I don't see uh, um, Bryant Lillet 
in this uh, transfer portal on twenty. What about Jordan Johnson, the other running back? Jordan Johnson's a- there. Yeah, he's still uh, uncommitted. Uh, jo- Jonah Chong from Iolani, nobody mm-hmm. has picked him up. Uh, Matthew Shipley, remember, went to Arkansas. C.J. Williams, I don't even remember him. He left the team in the middle of the, by by the middle of the season at the latest. He didn't last half the season, I believe, and oh. I didn't hear the exact reason why. But I know he's in the portal. But yeah, he left Hawaii a while ago. I think the first person, yeah, the first person to enter the transfer portal was Grayson Morgan, the tight end. Right. He's been in there since October. He He's left been real there early. since October, and he has not no, no interest. Uh, Joey Yellen, another guy that, right. that entered in the middle of November. He's just out there in, in purgatory. I mean, they're in no it's What do you do? You can't, like, with, with Braden Shager, you go, hey, I'll withdraw. I'll go back to Hawaii. If Joey Yellen's like, hey, uh, I'll, I'll go back to Hawaii, they're like, uh, sorry, we gave your scholarship to somebody else, dude. Yeah, he doesn't have anything on his resume for the last couple of years, so it's going to be tough for him to hook on, I would imagine. I mean, what do you do? Go to a JC or something like that? Probably, and then kind of, you know, hope you have a good year, and then somebody picks you up after that. I mean, what do you do if nobody wants you? Or you know somebody who gets you hooked up. Now, I was thinking about that a second ago. Freddie Holly, if I'm not mistaken, was a running back under Todd Graham's regime. Remember Todd Graham? And he entered the portal, and what came out from a lot of people in the know is that Todd Graham said, I'm not taking him back. If anybody enters the portal, I'm not going to take him back on my team. Freddie Holly did not hook up with any team, and he wanted to come back from what I was told, and Todd Graham wouldn't take him. Yeah, that's hard too. Yeah, that is that is. It's like they go out to they go out to. It's, it, it almost seems childish. If the guy's going to help your team, well, what are you trying to prove? Are you just trying to threaten everyone else? Hey, if you're thinking about the transfer portal, we're not taking you back. I don't know that you do that. I don't know that right. you do that with today's generation, right? They don't respond. It's tough to recruit people. Right. Oh yeah. I, uh, with, with that kind of attitude, you you look, and that's probably why uh, Todd Graham didn't work out. I mean, you have to manage your roster nowadays. You have to understand that if you're in your fifties, and I think Todd Graham's probably in his fifties, probably, probably in his late fifties, and you you know you can't treat today's generation like that because they'll just not come. It, it's. It, it doesn't work out that way anymore. Things it's why different. a lot of old-time coaches are just leaving. Yeah, somebody texted in about Jaden Maiava that he already took his redshirt year. But remember that you can transfer twice now without having to sit out. So even though he already redshirted, he can still play right away if that's what they want to do. Or they, I, I believe they can still redshirt him if they want, even though the texter is saying he has three years to play three. Well, you can't redshirt twice. Well, you get the COVID. You, they, they have something for it. It's called sitting on the bench. But you get the COVID year back. You get that free, basically. So that is kind of a redshirt year. If you, well, you're not a redshirt year. He wasn't in the There's COVID no COVID year. year for Mayava because he committed in 2021 to UNLV. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I thought everyone gets a COVID year. Well, no, Moving I'll, forward. If you, yeah, if you want to so roster So it's then. fair because life has to be fair. <laughs> right, young generation? Everybody gets a trophy and life has to be fair. If somebody got a, if somebody got a, uh, if somebody got a, you know, a, a COVID year ten years ago, and you don't get it, that that's not fair. There's a lot of texts coming in about yeah. Freddie Holly. <laughs> How did that spark uh, the text line, uh, folks? You can call or text in at 808-296-1420. There were so many things I wanted to get to that we didn't even get a chance to do yet. But uh, speaking of University of Hawaii. 
Uh, John Veneri is going to join us in a few minutes, get his thoughts on uh, coaches and things like that. Is that yeah, the plan? Yeah, yeah. All right. Somebody, uh, somebody texted in here, portal equals no loyalty. They're going to uh, – people who are into the, the guys that we were talking about, they said they're going to learn the hard way like uh, Holly. You know what? And that could be – that. that is one way to look at it. Hey, you don't want to be on this team, then we're – you know, thank you for your service. You're welcome to go. But I'm not going to worry about you or anything. If you give up your scholarship, I'm not saving it for you. I'm going to go out and get somebody and get a, give that scholarship to somebody else because I want to honor – the players who decided to stay with us. I get that that's what where you're going at. But I don't know that the new generation looks at it that way. No. I think the new generation, and I'm talking about Generation Z, they look at this as, hey, it's all about me and my concerns and what's best for me. And if you don't treat me like everyone else, that's not fair. Well, you know what? It's it it, it it doesn't work like that. But the loyalty part, what about when coaches leave? They're under contract, and that's why I don't really blame the players as much because coaches did it forever, and there's no loyalty or commitment there when they leave on a moment's notice. So sometimes right before a bowl game, they would get another right. job and leave. So that works right. both or, ways. Or I'm not going to play in the bowl game because uh, I want to get ready for the draft. Yeah, well, that... It's all about me. I think it's a me, me world. It, it doesn't get to be all about me. Uh, you know, and then somebody else who is in control, like the coach, says, well, it's all about me. And you go, that's not fair. Hey, it, it's a dog-eat-dog world we live in. Um, I have a favor to ask. We have a lot of, like, one- and two-word uh, texts, and I don't know what most of those mean. But thank you guys for texting in at 808-296-1420. John Veneri on Rainbow Warrior Football. That's coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, if you're over 60 and retired, speaking of generations, uh, making ends meet, especially at the supermarket, is tough. Now, BenefitsCheckup.org is a free website. It can help you pay for food, medicine, and even utilities. That's BenefitsCheckup.org. This message brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. Life matters. I'm doing uh, I'm doing the Brotherhood a little favor here, Gary. I'm searching through the transfer portal for an edge rusher for University of Hawaii, and uh, I see there's a guy, a, a guy from it looks like uh, Florida State that's looking for a team. Can we call up Gilbert Edmond, please? Gilbert Edmond. Can oh no, here's one that's even better. Uh, a guy from uh, oh he committed to A&M already. John Veneri joins us now on ESPN Honolulu. Hi, John. Well, good morning, you guys. I haven't talked to you for a while. Good morning. Yes. Uh, good morning, yeah. And we're glad you're committed to us, at least for appearing on the show. Thank you for that. So, John, we hear all the talk <laughs> yesterday. Stephen Tsai, uh, in his column, I've heard rumors. I'm sure you have. What are your thoughts overall on the possible or probable assistant coaches hired? Well, you know, it's so funny because you can play the, the whole what-if game and who who's who and does Craig Stutzman come back? Is it, it going to be – you know, it, it, there's so many, like, different combinations of people talking uh, of, of different coaches that could come in. I'm actually super pleased 
with the names that I've I've heard as candidates. I, 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 you know, got, getting a chance to talk to Morrison. Um, uh, while he was, uh, uh, I guess, labeled the on-field or off-field consultant, and you know he traveled with the team, uh, he helped he helped Shager uh, with his reads, and I think it, it led to winning three of the last four games. I really do truly believe that Morrison uh, was a big part of that. I, you know, and and here's the thing: like a lot of the talk was. Uh, if Craig Stutzman comes back, he's going to want to run his version of the run and shoot, right? There's the New Testament, the Old Testament of the, the run and shoot. He would want to run his version of the run and shoot. If it's if it's Dan Morrison, then Dan Morrison can do a lot of what he was doing at, during the time of him being a consultant with Timmy Chang. He can help Timmy run the offense. That way, it'll right. take a little bit off of Timmy's plate. And and let you know, this is not just a a, a gimme. You know, like Dan Morrison is a smart man. He knows this offense. He learned from, uh, from June Jones and Miles Davis uh, on what to do with this offense. So you might actually see it revert back to a little bit of the Old Testament of the, of the offense um, you know, and, 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 I, a, and a little bit more of what we saw during the, two, the 2000s with June I, Jones. But yeah. Morrison has also kind of converted this offense a little bit too as his years progressed in running it. I think the, the thing I like about Morrison is he's just a good dude. I mean, I don't know him. We don't hang Absolutely. or anything. But just a just a nice guy. You know what? I'm a, like hire all old guys. Let the old guys do it. There, there is that. something to be said about quiet confidence. You know what I'm yes. saying? Like he is he is a quiet man, but he's confident in what he says. And you actually also feel like you've just learned something in having a conversation with him. You know what I mean? And so I I really really like Dan, and I think he will be a. a when it when it's all said and done, if it is in fact uh, a done deal, he will be a great addition to um, to the to the offense to the coaching staff. Um, and let me just say this: uh, you know, I, I liked Ian Shoemaker. Um, I, I thought he was a, a good guy, um, and and I thought he had a lot of promise coming in with what he had on paper. And he remained a good guy through the two years that I knew him. He was always very helpful. Uh, with, with trying to learn what we needed to know for, for a broadcast. Um, and so I will miss him uh, as a person, but I really do think that Timmy Chang, running the run and shoot, needed help. He needed help because he couldn't do it all. He couldn't be the head coach, couldn't be standing over at the bench talking to the quarterbacks while the defense was on the field and things needed to be, uh, decisions needed to be made, you know, in that regard. And speaking of the defense, I think Dennis Thurman, if in fact it is going to be that guy, I think he might be a great addition. A guy with 27 years NFL experience, uh, both coaching and playing. Uh, a guy who has been around, you know, big time programs uh, collegiately, and he played at USC. So, uh, I and, and most recently he was in the news uh, for for making waves uh, about you know players uh, telling players the way it is, like you know, 90 percent or whatever he told some of the Colorado players, you're not going to make it to the NFL. You know, you can, but but work hard, and and I think a guy like that 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 tells it like it is, that's uh, that wears everything on his sleeve, will be a great addition to this. Not the, not, you know, it's not the popular thing nowadays to tell kids the way it is. Yes, uh, but I like, but I like it. Go back to uh, go back a little old school, and that's what you Thank get with an older coach. Oh Did my you God. see? But the, hey, real quick, uh, just on that before you go, go switch gears. The, yeah. Do you know when they're going to make a decision? Do they have to wait till the job's posted for a certain amount of time? What's our timeline here? 
yeah, they're, they're, so it needs to be posted for a certain amount of time, and there needs to be a certain amount of people interviewed for the position. And until they get to that, then then they can make the decision. So we don't um, know then, you know, exactly. Uh, like, like, the, like, like, say, Timmy has to interview at least five people for the position before he makes a decision. John, Especially for a job posted. If you ask, if you ask Glenn McKay, he'll be all, "Yeah, okay, we'll have them by 2028." <laughs> John Vaderi yeah, joining no. us now on ESPN Honolulu. Did you see that Dan Morrison coached Dennis Thurman in high school in California? Dennis Thurman was his quarterback in the 70s. Yeah, that means Dan Morrison is a little bit older, but they were really close in age when that happened, right? Mm. You, know, you know, I had I had some uh, some uh, young, really young coaches when I played high school. Um, and so that made Dan Morrison. I'm being nice, obviously, because Dan Morrison's in his 70s. Thurman, I think, is in his 60s. So, but that, that puts them close in. So that puts them close in age. They must have been really close in age within, yeah. you know, within within eight years of of each other. And and Morrison was coaching. But that's cool. Man, that's Dan, a cool connection, though. Yeah, it is. But Dan Morrison was. Gosh, he's only in his seven. He was coaching at Punahou in my senior year in 1982. Man, that was a, and that was a long time ago. Crazy. Well, here's, ago. here's another here's another positive. Thurman is being looked at as the defensive coordinator, but mm-hmm. that means he's also got a mind of offense, right? You kind of have to anyway when you're when you're when you're a defensive coach. Got but he played quarterback. Well, that's a, that's an awesome position to play for a defensive coach because you're knowing how to teach these guys and 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 what to look for. I mean, he might not know the run and shoot offense, but. Um, I think that would be fantastic. That I just I just like the names. And then Reinbold is another one that's being talked about. Right. And Reinbold is a guy who can pretty much coach any position on the field, but he's a motivator. And more importantly, he's a guy who wants to be in Hawaii. It, Hawaii is kind of runs through his veins. Right. And right. so I, I like I like the thought of Reinbold coming back. As far as anything more than that, uh, you know, they're they're just candidates right now. But again, so, I think that well, I think that Reinbold also has been known as a good recruiter, and that's that's number one right in college yeah. athletics. I'm, ex- I'm excited recruited, about Reinbold. He's recruited just about every position on the defense, including some guys that have played in the NFL. So I, I like the fact that, um, and at different positions they went to the NFL. But you know, he coached uh, in the Canadian League. He coached. He's coached in some semi-professional leagues. He coached professionally. He's a guy that's well liked and he's been around a lot, and I really like his experience. But more more importantly, I love his love for the islands and the the island kids, and and I think he will not only be a good recruiter here, but he'll be a good recruiter in bringing local kids possibly back to the islands. You know what I mean? Right, he, he's man. such a he's such a supporter of 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 this Rainbow Warrior football team. Even when he was away, he constantly tweeted about it, and he's just a big. He's just a big supporter of the program, and to be part of the program, that's kind of his dream. John, so let's go back to Dennis Thurman for a second. If indeed he is yeah. hired as the defensive coordinator, then Jacob Yoro, who today is the defensive coordinator, what have you heard about his status? Would he be reassigned? Well, I, I think what the telltale here is um, when there was the announcement of coaches being let go um, and now uh, what, what positions are open, Obviously, the position for defensive coordinator was posted, and and now we're talking about Dennis Thurman. But the fact that we haven't talked about uh, Jacob Yoro being let go uh, means that yes, he'll be reassigned. If if it's if it's my guess, my guess would be 
that he'd be reassigned to, say, the cornerbacks because Steve Irwin was let go. Um, and, and Thurman, who, who also played safety, would likely they would he would take a position. So if I had to guess, he would take a, the safeties, and so that that would fill out your defensive your defensive side of the football. So that is that, the coaching staff goes right. And that makes sense in that aspect. So for Jeff Reinbold, there are people at least in social media speculating that maybe he would be a special teams coach. Where right now we do have a special team coach. We have a special teams coach, and that hasn't been talked about. But I do believe that Etienne and Anna being let go opens up the defensive line. So I think Reinbold would then take over the. Right. Obviously, this is not all set in stone, but it's my belief that Reinbold then would coach the defensive line. Okay, okay. I'm going to go back to also to some of the recruits. I'm not sure how familiar you are with some of the guys in the early signing period, but I'm going to go to the quarterback spot. Braden Shager, as we know, is back with the team. Micah Alejado yep. is committed to the team. He should be here pretty soon, if not already. How do you see that, that competition here, yeah. playing out? Well, the biggest word that you just said is competition, right? you got a guy who committed here. He's not leaving. And then you got a guy who's come back who's now recommitted himself to the University of Sutton the University of Hawaii. And so now you've got competition. Whereas, uh, and, I, and I said that I hate this fact about the portal. Um, if you're not happy and you're a second team guy, then you enter the portal and you just go somewhere else. Well, what about the old-fashioned way of, of putting your, your name and your, and your word on the line and saying, I committed to this team, I'm going to yep. work my hardest to be a, a member of this team or a contributing factor to this team, whether that's the starter or the backup or the scout quarterback or whatnot. You commit to the football team, and then, you, and then you work as hard as you can to be the starter. And in doing so, you create competition with whoever else you're going up against, and you're making them better. And so, to me, the biggest thing about this is that Braden Shager, one, is going to get better because he's got competition, and two, it's going to make him kind of think, okay, I'm not quite the guy. I am the guy, but, and I've been the guy, but I might not be the guy if I don't work hard enough. And so this creates a great problem to have. You've got two guys working really hard. One that's coming in, who's, by the way, a little bit older. He's 19. So Alejado's coming in at the, year, at the age of 19, whereas most college sophomores are that age already. And so he's got the work, and he's been with some really good uh, uh, offensive players in high school who are also all 19. Uh, and, and he knows what, he's a little more experienced, and he's a little more mature, and so that'll add some competition. I love that word. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, the saying used to be, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But nowadays, when the going gets tough, quit. And that's what the transfer portal's all about. <laughs> John Vaderi, yeah, thank so, you. So now Go ahead. when the going gets tough, you, you compete and you try to be the best version of yourself to help the team because it's not about one person. There's 11 guys in the field. And if you can be the best version of yourself on the field, then that makes everyone around you better. And that's why you get a winning football team. When everybody's better, just ask the guys that were part of the 2007 or the 1992 team how good they were. John, how good were you? (laughs) Hey, we got to go. I was was only as good as the guy next to me. Right on. John, thank you very much. Have a great week, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. All right, John Veneri there from the 1992 University of Hawaii. I don't know, 2010 team was pretty darn good, too. Yeah. yeah. Not at 92 and 2000s level, but, uh, you know, we've had a lot of good teams. But, uh, you know, the thing I worry about with uh, Dennis Thurman is, I mean, this guy's, you know, he's he's Buffalo Bills, New York Jets. Been around. Baltimore Ravens. It's, you know, lately, I mean, the last time he was in the NFL was 2016. 
But at the same time, I wonder if, you know, he doesn't stay that long, right? If you're getting job offers all the time. Maybe, but you would think also that might be a good enticement for some of the players. If you want to maybe go to the NFL with his contacts and his experience, it's a win-win as far as getting coached sure. by a good player and maybe right. having the contact. Right, and you're not going to not hire a guy because you think he's going to leave. Oh, no, he's too good. They basically saying, oh, he's too good for us. But uh, anyway, hopefully we uh, find out sooner rather than later about uh, the additions to the staff. It's 8.35, and... Well, you can catch the NFL playoffs at 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl. Now, you can see all the games. they got a big video wall to check out a featured game, and they got a great menu, too. Trust me, I've been there. 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar. Check it out for football in the Pearl City Shopping Center. Ah, we forgot to give away tickets. Let's give away tickets right now, 808-296-1420. Let's give away a pair of tickets. You know what? we got to give them both away because we got to get off the air. Oh, I hate to do that. Okay, let's do this. If you want to win tickets to tomorrow's volleyball game, by the way, call the coach tonight with Charlie Wade at 630 at Ruby Tuesday. So we have two tickets to the volleyball game tomorrow. And then we have two tickets to the men's basketball game on Thursday against Irvine. So if you want us to text those, uh, text us those tickets, uh, I'll be the fifth caller at 808-296-1420. Be caller number five, and Tanner's going to get you those tickets. So let's go to the Zephyr uh, uh, insurance text line. And here's a text. John was talking about loyalty, as we often do. And this is a great text. It says, loyalty shmoyalty. If players can get money to help the family, do it, in all caps. It's the new world. Dylan Gabriel entered college football in the perfect times. Yes, he did, didn't he? He did, but and if you're going to talk about loyalty or the lack of, I mean, he would. It can't. You can't have it both ways. So, I mean, was anybody criticized Dylan Gabriel for leaving UCLA or UCF or now Oklahoma? I wouldn't. But I mean, loyalty is it's just different in sports. And again, I think it compared to the coaches who leave on a moment's notice or a dollar's notice, and right before a bowl game, and at times almost every year you have that situation. They preach commitment and bonding and loyalty and all that, and they leave at the drop of a new contract. So for players, why not? They weren't getting their piece of the pie all these years. I don't think anybody should fault them or criticize them. At least for myself, that's how I see it. I don't blame them. I don't like it because it, it changes the sport. I don't think it's good for the sport as a whole, but well, it's, it's, why, it's changed already. It? Yeah, yep. it changed already. Yep, that's true. Uh, okay, here's one. Teach this new. Oh, that's bad words. Yeah, don't text yeah. bad words because right. I'm likely to read those on the air. <laughs> I'll keep texting. Uh, uh, this texter says this generation is clowns. Um, and then he says, Gary, uh, he or she says, can't use coaches leaving to justify and as a reason. I don't know that you can't say that. That's not a reason anymore. But it's really, look, they 
before it seemed that people just entered the transfer portal. It was like it was okay to do because your coach left. And then it was like, well, if you're not getting any playing time, it's okay to enter the transfer portal. But now with NIL, it's, hey, go in the transfer portal to make yourself some money. You get a and for job. somebody like – for I like this for the fact that it's – and we're only talking about star quarterbacks and things like that. There's no left guard somewhere that's making millions from the transfer portal. But somebody – if you're a quarterback – Somebody like, let's use Dylan Gabriel, for example. Uh, probably about 5'11". Maybe he's listed at 5'11". I think he's listed at 6 feet, but he's probably 5'10". Anyway, he's a smaller quarterback who, you know, the NFL isn't clamoring to get. Not because he's not talented. It's just he's small. And, uh, you know, here's a guy that has a chance to make a lot of money while he's in college to give him a good head start in life. That's what I like about NIL and I like about the transfer portal. Look, we can't stop it. It's become a professional game. It was only a matter of time. With all of that money from all of these television contracts uh, going into college athletics, you'll see that ESPN just signed an eight-year deal with the NCAA for more money. And now it's not only, it's not only the television networks who are um, competing for – all of these uh, teams, all of these contracts, your streaming services are. I mean, for crying out loud, I know that NBC owns Peacock, but coming up, uh, the Kansas City and Miami football game is not going to be on television. It's going to be streamed on Peacock, Thursday night footballs, on Prime, uh, Amazon Prime. What do they call it? Prime Video, whatever it is. But, I mean, it's, it's not available on television so you have you all of that competition who are all of that competition trying to get these games on their uh respective channels the pro- money is going they're printing money out there and it eventually had to fall to the athletes and well, one of the things i say when going back to that text about comparing it's not so much that i don't think you should criticize players for leaving for better opportunities when coaches leave for better opportunities and with all that money coming in from the tv contract that's going to the coaches not all of it but it's going to coaches that money's not going to players and the players are getting it differently through the nil and i don't think right. there's anything wrong with it even though it's gotten a little out of hand and how they're getting it apparently in some cases but you know what? you got to play the game yep. at the University yep. of Hawaii. If you don't play that game, that's what you say. You know what? You don't like it. Don't do it. Go to ZipRecruiter.com and get another job like a lot of coaches are doing. They can't handle it because now you can't do – you can't take your Todd Graham approach to, hey, once you're here, you're here. You're stuck. And so that's the that's the way you got to I mean that's the way you got to you got to handle these rosters now. We had Jamie Dixon on a few weeks ago, coach of TCU basketball, and I asked him how the NIL has changed his recruiting approach, and he said it is different, but you, kind of exactly what you said. You have to adjust and move with the time, and this is the new normal, and everybody has to deal with it if you want to be successful. And it's changed in coaches. If you want to be successful, like you said, you've got to adjust, or you'll be left standing somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I was watching TCU play somebody really good, and they, I think Kansas. they lost. Oh, yeah. bad call by the ref. That flagrant for Hunter What Dickinson. was the final score? They lost by two, 85-83, I think, oh, or something goodness. like that. 
Man, TCU, they're the real deal, huh? They're good, and they took a three at the end that was no good by Jameer Nelson Jr., but they called a flagrant on TCU for hitting Hunter Dickinson. Even the referee in the studio yeah. said that I shouldn't have been a flagrant. I think so they we're going to talk that much oh, about they, it. I mean, they, they got four <laughs> points. Uh, we want to make sure we clarify something, Chris, real fast about the ticket giveaway. Is that for basketball or what? volleyball? That was from Tanner, so we responded to that. That's an off-the-air thing. Congratulations to Keith from (laughs) Kapolei, who won tickets to volleyball and basketball. Thank you very much for listening, Keith. Coming up, more with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. I still want to get to this Oregon game thing. Uh, Hey, check it out. Very important website. Last time we had Dr. Nate Murata on the air with us. He told us from HCAMP. He told us that they're finding now, according to statistics, uh, young athletes getting concussions are getting younger and younger and younger. So it's very important, especially as a parent or a coach or even you athletes listening, you can learn more about recognizing concussion symptoms from HCAMP, the Hawaii Concussion Awareness Management Program. The website, hawaiiconcussion.com. That's hawaiiconcussion.com. Check it out. You'll really be glad you did. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Thank you guys for texting in 808-296-1420 on this Kahala Tuesday. Remember, you can upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt since 1936. You can get one. they got six stores here on the island or at Kahala.com. I wonder if Kahala has a store in Kahala. <laughs> you would think. People, I mean, people are probably wondering that when I read that. Now I am. Yeah. Hey, so uh, we got a text that says, does Oregon have to pay us a penalty for canceling the game? So they canceled it already, right? According to them, they have the University of Hawaii. I'm not sure if they've made an official announcement, but everybody is indicating that they have. Okay, so it's according to news reports, I guess. So I'm reading something uh, yesterday from Civil Beat, and they're saying, which a lot of people already uh, know of, but... Oregon's like, okay, we're going to want to cancel this because we want to schedule a game against Oregon State. And it's a rivalry, right? What yeah. is it called? Civil War? Civil War. And uh, so that they, they want to keep that rivalry, which is good. And we just have to be a casualty of that, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it's been said that they don't want to play at Ching Field. That's another it's, – it's, it's like we want to play Oregon State. And we don't want to play in that stadium. Which leads to the rumors we heard about them supposedly trying to work out an agreement to play the game at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. We heard that for a while. That couldn't be worked out, but mm. along the same lines of them not wanting to come here to a small stadium, even though that wouldn't really affect them, I don't think. But yeah. they didn't want that, so they canceled I wonder the game. why, though. Is it, just, is it just them saying, hey, we're Oregon. We, we don't play in a 15,000-seat thing. It sounds like it's something along those lines. You know, I remember when Vanderbilt was here, and I remember talking to – I met some of their assistant coaches in the elevator, and I asked them what they thought about the small stadium and everything. They said, this field's the same size. We don't care exactly. about the stadium size, the capacity. We just care about the football field, and it's the same as every other's. Well, I think that maybe Oregon's a little more high mucka mucka <laughs> than, you know, Vanderbilt. That's why Vanderbilt's winless. But Vanderbilt – well, they won They won like five games last not year, in, didn't they? Not in the SEC. I think they were winless, I believe, this oh, year. Oh, okay. But anyway, I mean, but they are in the SEC. Yeah, yeah. 
But uh, anyway, so that brings up again the the fact of where are we uh, with the Aloha Stadium. I know they just put out, what did I read? Oh, I was on vacation and I read something in the paper. It's yeah. like, okay, what went out last? It was a couple of weeks ago. The proposal something went out. Yeah, Glenn, Glenn, Wakai, Glenn Wakai was on, as I believe, while you were gone uh, mid-December. And he was indicating that the proposals for the bids have gone out. And they hope to have a, a, win, a winner, so to speak, or the win, right. winning company. It is. It uh, is a winner. I guess in either spring or early summer, oh, they're going to have the company that's going to be in charge announced. I know it's a big undertaking to build a stadium. I get it. But that just seems like a really long time. Didn't I see a text sent in the other day to one of the shows here that Stanford built a brand-new 50,000-seat stadium in 10 months? Well, I didn't see that one, but I'm sure it probably sounds like Ten it's months. Happened. That's really fast. Ten months. The, 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 they said, the, I think it was a text, they, uh, they mentioned that, okay, after the last game of the season, now – does Stanford play on campus? Probably. So maybe that's it's easier. But anyway, so, okay, the last game of the season's done. They tore down the stadium. That week, they tore down the stadium. They didn't go, well, we need to make sure that it's the same people tearing down the stadium that's building the I know. stadium. And you're going to take this bid and this go through this process. And the wording's wrong on the bill. And this, the, nah. They said, hey, season's over. Tear it down. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. But now, because of our – because we just can't get it done here in this state, it's hurting the program. It has. It definitely has. And going back and to – And I bet Oregon – I'm sorry. I bet Oregon wasn't the only one who said, I ain't playing in there. Maybe not. And they're the big team that we were counting on. So we won't have to pay them the 500000 appearance fee. But unless that game is rescheduled, they have to pay a buyout. Remember when Texas canceled how many years ago? They said the, uh, the price of gasoline and airfare and all that was expensive. <laughs> Anytime you cancel a contract like that, you have to pay a penalty. And right. I remember, again, when, when Hawaii was supposed to play UCLA, and they were only getting 550 Rolo was in his first year, and he said, well, we just should pay the buyout. I told the AD, who was, I think, David Matlin or Ben Jay at the time, I'm trying to remember, David Matlin, that we should just pay the buyout fee and reschedule the game. We'll get more money in the long run. Yeah. But you still have so, got to pay a penalty. We had to pay we would have had to pay Oregon if, 500 half a million dollars. For the appearance fee, you got to pay you got to every like if we go there we got a million I think for going right. there. They come here they get maybe 500, maybe they got hotel rooms or things like that on top of it. But every Man. non-conference game basically at least I'm not sure if FCS is like that. I, did, I know we have level. to pay, but I, that that seems like a lot of money. So you would you would have to sell out that stadium at $50 a ticket. And you would uh, make $750,000. It seemed like most of the appearance fees are over a million now for these schools. It used to be a million was the standard for big games. Now it seemed like it's a million five. Wow. All right. Well, I guess we ran out of time. But uh, we'll see you tomorrow here on ESPN Honolulu. Keep listening uh, to the radio throughout the day. More basketball and volleyball tickets to give away here. This is ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM.